Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's the 21st day of January 2017, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from Sully Baseball Studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. I'm down here in Southern California for a few days. Something kind of struck me, and that is the concept of our actions having consequences beyond just the first year something happens. Do you want to? Do you mean by that sometimes? We think about some of our actions or decisions we make in a vacuum. Oh, if I did this instead of that, or if I if I had chosen, it's a good thing I didn't choose this instead of that. I mean, there are things that happen in our lives, and we tend to only think about the immediate consequences of our actions instead of the long-term consequences of our actions. We decide to do one thing instead of another, and... You know, I, I know the butterfly effect is something that people refer to from time to time, meaning that the the consequent the the effects of a decision spread out over time, because that you make a decision and that decision affects two other decisions, and those two decisions affect four other decisions, and so it sort of spreads out, and so it's very difficult to figure out how the effect of a decision can the, the trajectory of it that's why the concept i love the ideas of analyzing alternate universes but the problem with it is you really can only do it for the immediate impact afterwards for example i love to think about the concept that the new york giants almost signed babe ruth instead of the boston red sox in fact if the timing was a little bit different and he didn't have a homestand in the minor league Baltimore Orioles that he played for, not the, the Orioles were not a major league team then, they were a minor league team, and the Giants were going to acquire him, and they had a big homestand coming out. Babe Ruth was very popular in his hometown, and they didn't want to waste the homestand. So if they had said, hey, we'll sign an agreement with you now, and it will go in effect after the homestand, Instead, what happened is they said, well, let's wait till after the homestand. Then after the homestand, the Red Sox swooped in and made a deal. Now, what would have happened? What would have happened was Babe Ruth would have gone on to play for the Giants. And you could think about the effect of that immediately. You think, oh, like, what are the players that he would have been playing with? He would playing with Hall of Famers like Christy Mathewson and Ross Youngs, who would have been playing under John McGraw. And then you, at that moment, you can sort of picture, is he going to be a hitter? Is he going to be a pitcher? And that's fun to think about. But then you don't really think about what the effects after like eventually that'll affect the Red Sox that'll affect eventually the history of the Yankees eventually that'll affect the history of baseball and it's difficult to see what would have happened beyond just the first year of him joining the Giants maybe he wouldn't have clicked maybe he would have been extraordinary maybe the Giants would still be in New York 
but how does that affect all these different things? So you can understand that one of the things I love to do the most is to think about, oh, what if this happened instead of that? But once you start doing that, once you start going down that weird rabbit hole, the connections and the reactions that happen after that are very difficult to predict. Decision of team made down here in Southern California in 2012, right around the time I started doing this podcast. The Angels were big-time contenders, and they fell just short of the playoffs. They fell just short as the A's came out of nowhere to win the division. Uh, The Rangers, who I thought, and I think everyone in the world thought, were going to win the pennant that year, and I thought they were going to win the World Series, fell short that final weekend. And the Angels came up a game or two short as the wild card went to uh, Texas and Baltimore. And in the offseason, the owner, Artie Moreno, decided to make a splash. And the splash he wanted to do was pick up, have the second straight year that he picked up a gigantic free agent. The previous year, he had signed Albert Pujols. Now, the Pujols contract is a 10-year contract and, you know, had its positive effects because it got, it sold a bunch of season tickets and everything like that. But I think it's going to be one of those contracts that, we just shake our heads. I mean, I thought it was too long when he signed him, and Pujols was an elite player then. Pujols is not an elite player now. He's a really good slugger. He's a really, you know, he, he has brings a lot of experience. But he's, you know, if you're going to do a short list of one of the elite players in baseball, you're not going to list Albert Pujols. Why? Not now. And not certainly not for the next five years because he's no longer the player that he was when he was with St. Louis. Let me ask you a question. If he went to free agency now, would you sign him to a five-year deal as one of the elite hitters in baseball? Of course you wouldn't. So at the moment, he made a splash again in a deal that I think everyone thought was bananas when it happened, which was signing Josh Hamilton to a long-term contract for a pile of money. And he used the pile of money that he had to spend on Hamilton and that he was going to now create, along with this young kid they had who had a nice start named Mike Trout, that this was going to create the ultimate middle of their lineup. Now, what decision did he make? He made the decision, and it sure seemed like it was a Moreno front office decision, He made the decision to let Zach Grinke walk and bring in Josh Hamilton. If he was going to spend that pile of money, he spent it on Hamilton. He had one of two decisions to go, and he made a decision that affected the team in 2013, and it's affecting them now. The Hamilton signing is one of the most disastrous signings I can recall in the history of baseball. It was huge money. It became, Hamilton was a bust in Anaheim and and he had his relapse into addiction. Moreno reacted like a boob and then ultimately got rid of him 
and paid his money as he went back to Texas. So essentially, he paid the money for him to play for a rival. A rival that went on to win the division over Anaheim in 2015. Now, do I think that Hamilton's the reason they did? No, but it never hurts to bring back a former popular MVP on someone else's dime, which is exactly what happened. And the other thing that happened, and this you can't deny, is one of the things that has kept the angels from reaching the promised land is some fragility in their starting pitching. Whether it's the decline of Jared Weaver or Schumacher and their injuries that have happened there, you know, you've taken a look at this team that has been given, has been brought down from the Mount Olympus, has been handed the greatest player of his generation, a player who's played in 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16, five years. Five years, he's either the MVP or the MVP runner-up. And, you know, you could argue, I mean, he's already multiple MVP winner. You could argue he could have two or three more at this point. But either way, if you write a short list of who's the best offensive player in baseball, who's the best all-around player in baseball, there's no way you can write a list of three and not include Mike Trout who they intelligently wrapped up to a long-term deal. Fine. Congratulations. You're also wasting his prime with a garbage pitching rotation. You're wasting the time of Trout, who has played three postseason games. Well, how valuable can he be if his team didn't contend? Shut up. He's extraordinarily valuable. Because they'd be a 90-loss team without him. They'd be the laughing stocks. Instead, they're wasting his time. Think about those great players you've seen. I mean, think about two players whose names have come up so frequently over the last year. Ernie Banks, because with the Cubs' great run, the Cubs' great run made you think, oh, Ernie Banks never had his chance to win. And Tim Raines, who did finally win as a member of the Yankees later in his career, but people are saying, oh, he was so brilliant, but he was toiling for the Montreal Expos, a team that few people saw and weren't, you know, didn't make it to the postseason except for that one year in 1981. Is that the fate of Mike Trout? Putting the team around him? If he had a better team and a better pitching staff, there would be no argument of, well, how valuable can he be? If they had spent that money on Grinky instead of Hamilton, which is what I said in an article I wrote for Bleacher Report back in 2012. I believe I said that on the podcast. Anyone with a set of eyes can see that. They made a deal for Grinky, and it was a smart deal. It cost them Gene Segura, but it was a smart deal because there weren't a lot of aces available. They picked him up from Milwaukee. Milwaukee made a run for it, and it, it fell two games short of the pennant. The Angels made a run for it in 2012, 
came up a few games short, but they had Grinky. And here's the thing about Grinky and what I love about Grinky. He's very honest. You offer him the most money, he will sign with you. You don't believe me? He left a team that was on the short list of teams to win the National League pennant and skedaddled to Arizona to play for the Diamondbacks. Now, a lot has been said about L.A. and the Dodgers and letting him go. And the fact that if the Dodgers had kept him, would they have won the pennant this year? And that's a valid question. But they had the combination of Grinky and Kershaw for 2013, 2014, and 2015. And they didn't see a World Series in that bunch. So we, there's no what-ifs on that. But there are what-ifs. Big-time what-ifs. For Grinky with the Angels, what would have happened if he stayed? What would have happened if he played in 2013, 2014, and 2015 in for the Angels? Now, again, it's difficult to see and make those predictions beyond the immediacy of it. Beyond the immediacy of this would have happened up to this point and the, the butterfly effect after that. But one thing you can see, that barring injury or people catching up to him big time, Grinky is an elite pitcher. He truly is. I mean, I think he should have won the National League Cy Young Award in 2015. They gave it to Jake Arrieta, and, you know, fine. I mean, fine. He did, he did a fine job. I'm not going to criticize that too much. But Grinky, when you looked at what the kind of pitcher that he was, you know, winning the Cy Young in 2009, great. Uh, he wound up having, you know, very good years with the Royals. He wound up having a solid year in Milwaukee, the year they went to the League Championship Series. Um, he and he had a good half season with the Angels. And then with the Dodgers, he was... Those three years with the Dodgers, he just was electric. I mean, the, he was overshadowed by his teammate Kershaw, but he was tremendous in his three seasons. And you plug in that kind of talent, you keep that with the Angels. Now, with the 2013 Angels, uh, you know, the, the A's, okay, the A's were a terrific team that year, but he would have, been, he would have stayed on with the team and in 20, uh, sorry, in 2013, I, I, my, I'm checking this up on BaseballReference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. And you saw a huge drop-off in 2013. Now, Josh Hamilton really wasn't worth that much. Mike Trout was unbelievably good that year. And you saw a rotation that saw, yeah, they had a good year from C.J. Wilson and... Uh, no, I'm okay year from Jared Weaver, and the rest of it was a disaster. Terrible year from Blanton, terrible year from Tommy Hansen, terrible year from Jerome Williams, terrible year. Uh, they had Billy Buckner, no, not him, start a few games. And the team fell you know, far short of the postseason. You take a look at if you had a, a, a Zach Grinke on the team in 2014, well, they wound up having the best record in the American League. They wound up winning the uh, division that year, but falling short. They some of the that's the 
arrival of Richards and Schumacher and the last good season of Jared Weaver, plug a Grinky into there. Then you add in 2015, they fell just short of the wild card. They fell behind the Yankees and the Astros. And that year, you had their rotation was, you know, was pretty thin. Richards was still good. Hector Santiago was okay. But that's really when Schumacher fell off, Weaver fell off, uh, Wilson had trouble staying healthy. They had Andrew Heaney going for a while. But, you know, the fact of the matter is it was not exactly a dynamic team. And then the team they had last year was just a mess. But they made a decision. They had the money to spend, clearly. And they made the decision to bring in the star slugger because that was the sexier star. That was the star that looked like it was going to stick it to the Rangers and everything. And boy, it's really, the Rangers have really cried about that. Since then, they've been a wild card team and won two divisions. And the Angels have won one division and on the outside looking in every other October. And, I, and I'm going to go out on a limb here. The, the Paul three production they got out of Josh Hamilton, they could have gotten out of any non-tendered outfielder. The effect of a decision that was made in 2012 resonates today because of the pitching staff of the team. Now, when you look at the Angels... Now, they're going to get back Schumacher. They're going to get back some of the other players who you're, you know, cross your fingers, you hope that they'll be improved. This is, and again, I personally am not an Angels fan, but I am a Mike Trout fan. And this is one of the things that I'm finding out about myself as I've seen the two primary teams that I root for, the Red Sox and Yankees, have won multiple world championships recently. One of the things is I'm finding myself rooting for players to win more than franchises in some ways. Although, as I said, I would like to see Cleveland and Pittsburgh and Oakland win for various reasons, and Houston for that matter. But it's really about, I want to see this star win. I want to see that star win. And I'd like to see Mike Trout, if he wins, I'd like to see him win for the franchise that he's the greatest player in the history of that franchise. I'm, the, the ring will feel great on Mike Trout's finger if he wins it as a brewer as an Astro, or as a Tampa Bay Ray. But it seems more appropriate if he wins one as a member of the Angels. Paul Molitor played, what, a billion years of the Milwaukee Brewers? He finally won a World Series title with the Toronto Blue Jays, where he was the MVP of the World Series. And believe me, I bet the champagne tasted wonderfully. But wouldn't it have been better if he won it as a Brewer? Shouldn't this be the lone thought of the Angels, the minute they found out in 2012 they were given this, this, this jewel, they were given this, this, this player who fell from Krypton that they signed, an actual Angel signed with the team. And you have to put the team around them to win. And they made the decision to go with the big sexy slugger instead of the potential Cy Young Award winner. And they're still paying for it. They're going into this season. I don't know who their closer is. Houston Street stunk. 
I mean, I think what they should do in a similar way to Texas, because this is a winnable West. You know, the Rangers have won the last couple of divisions, but their pitching staff is a little bit of a mess. The Astros are, could win the division, but they're still piecing things together. No one knows what the A's are doing. You know, I mean, and it is possible to win this American League West. I mean, I think in a similar way as what the Rangers should do, I think the, the Angels should just go off and start signing as many pitchers as possible, hoping that there's some combination. And maybe throw a couple of starters who are at the end of their careers, hey, try to close out a game, see if we can discover someone, something. You know, they have the MVP. They have a big market. They have money. They have a lot of the pieces in place. They just re-signed Cole Calhoun. But a decision they made is affecting them now. Part of me wants to say, hey, go see what you got in your farm system. Offer it to the Diamondbacks to get Zach Grinke. But here's the deal. Their farm system stinks. They don't have any impact players on the way. They won't be able to get Grinky. If anyone could get Grinky, it's probably Texas. You know, they didn't get a draft pick for Grinky when he signed because they picked him up midway through 2012, but they lost their picks for Hamilton. And so the fact of the matter is that even that decision affected their farm system and their ability to correct that mistake. Would I be saying this if the Angels had won those two extra inning games against Kansas City in the division series? If they had won those two extra inning games, they probably would have gone on to win the pennant and who knows, maybe win the World Series. Would I be saying this? No! Because Trout would have won a series. And the, 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 the view that we have of a franchise would have been different. And they would be able to shrug off that mistake. Every team makes mistakes. Every team makes the wrong decision here or there. But I can think of very few instances where the which way should we go was as clear as it was in 2012. Should we bring in Grinky or should we bring in Hamilton? They chose door number two, Hamilton. And it's affecting them to this day. Remember that, folks. If you're in a position now or you look at your situation now and you think, how did we get here? It's not always the thing that just happened. Analyzing the state of the angels isn't just looking at 2016 and say, huh, I wonder what we could have done differently there. Sometimes you have to stretch it back a little. It's like, that was a point. That was a turning point. And the effect of that decision is being felt to this day in Anaheim in a way that I don't think I could have accurately predicted back in 2012 when I started doing this podcast every single day. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 21st day of January 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.